God is good, amen. amen. Well, that was weak. I said, God is good, amen. amen. Now, we believe in a joined church. I've got to scoot this a little bit, a little bit closer. I don't like any space between you and me. <laughs> now, I'm an old dude, and I love being an old dude. Every old dude in here say, Amen. 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 The option is you die. And I love being old. In fact, I'm going with my life. My objective is to prove that you can be old and not be grumpy. <laughs> my wife and I have been married 48 years this year, June 28th. Yes, that deserves it. Yeah. Thank the Lord. Uh, we've got two daughters and five grandsons. To give you just a little brief background of, of myself, just so you understand a little bit, because I'll be referring to some of these things. You can't help but bring out part of your life in things that you, uh, preaching. Uh, I was in a job before God called me into ministry. I was on the Tulsa Fire Department. I was a Tulsa fireman for a number of years and very fulfilling job. But while I was on the Tulsa Fire Department, God really dealt with my heart. I, I was a Christian, accepted the Lord when I was seven years old, and I really fell in love with Jesus at seven. My testimony, now I, I tell you this testimony because it's a little bit different, and that is I fell in love with Jesus at seven years old, never drank a beer, never smoked a cigarette, never went into drugs, and the first and only woman I ever made love to was my wife because I was a Christian and I loved Jesus. I say that for the purpose, I, I see kids here and I see teenagers here because we're living in a culture that says you can't do that. And I'm going to tell you, you can you can fall in love with Jesus, you can live for Jesus, and you can live a victorious life. Amen. Thank you for those thunderous amens. Amen. amen. You can live. Now, understand a little bit about Radical Church. Radical Church comes out of Discovery Church with a foundation in what we call Pentecost. We believe in what's called the full gospel. Now, please understand there is a little bit of a difference. Just, just so you understand, uh, we don't believe we're the only ones going to heaven. Anybody say amen? Yeah. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hallelujah, you're going to heaven. Amen. But we do believe in the full gospel. This is what full gospel means. We believe that this book is true. Yeah. We believe that this book is what we still live today. It's not a history book where we read about miracles, signs, and wonders and just learn that they happened. It's a book that gives us a pattern of what church ought to look like today. In other words, today there ought to be miracles. I'm going to have a prayer line at the conclusion of this, and I'm going to believe for some miracles today. And so what we believe, and yeah, thank the Lord. What we believe is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means what Jesus did yesterday, he can do today, and he'll be able to do it tomorrow. And if he healed the sick yesterday, he can heal the sick today, and he can heal them tomorrow. Anybody say amen? And so the reality is, is that's the full gospel. We believe in the Bible cover to cover. We believe in the Bible, God's word, being relevant for the day. It's not, again, it's not a history book. It's not just a text that we study. It's something that uh, the Bible calls itself living. It's a living word, and it's a word that we allow to come a part of our personal lives. Uh, I've got a word for you this morning, and the title of the message this morning is Seeking God in a Time of Need. 
I, I really, now just for you to know my heart, I take ministry very, very serious. Um, while I was on the fire department, uh, my part-time job for a while was managing health clubs. And so I used to manage health clubs. And, and then when God called me into ministry, my part-time job became a youth pastor. I believe youth pastors are a very special group of people. And let, let me one, say, one thing say this. Thank God for all the volunteers of this church. Man, there are people right now working in children's ministry, those in the back, those that have set up. Uh, it takes an hour or so to set up prior to church starting. And wow, thank God for volunteers. I believe youth pastors are going to be raptured out 30 minutes before everybody else. <laughs> Reason being is they're going to have to get there and set up the tables for marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? You know, that's the, that's the youth pastors. I, I believe some of these volunteers are going to be raptured out at least 30, 40 minutes before the rest of us because they're going to be setting things up in heaven for us to be able to have that worship around the throne of God. Anybody say amen? Talk about worship. If you don't like worship, you're not going to like heaven. So you might as well go back to the devil. Because what my Bible tells me is, is this, we're going to be worshiping Jesus forever. Forever. I'm going to tell you, there's a real special presence of the Lord here. It doesn't have to be a church building to be church. In fact, the only thing that makes church church is the Holy Spirit. We can't have church without him. And so now with the Holy Spirit's presence here, I want a contact to be made. The contact is twofold. One is, is I want the Holy Spirit to anoint me. That's contact with exactly the right words to share. And then I want there to be a contact from me to you. And that is for you to receive exactly the words that God has intended for you. I take preaching very seriously. I've been praying, seeking God. And again, like Pastor Travis has said, the reality is, Trevor has said, and the reality is, is I have been in ministry for a number of years. And uh, I've got a lot of messages I've preached over the years. And so what I ask is, is this, God give me the relevant word at the right time for the right people, exactly what you want them to hear. And I've and I got to be honest with you. I think I have the word for you today. Father, I pray your anointing upon your word and may your word come alive. May our hearts be open to your truth. May the outcome be exactly everything you want it to be. And Father, orchestrate the remainder of this service according to your perfect plan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We live in difficult times. Can I say that? You amen me? You know, COVID-19 is crazy. COVID, I hate COVID-19. Anybody with me? Uh, the reality is Ukraine. What's happening in Ukraine is crazy, is awful. Anybody say amen? We're, we're living in the last days. If I ever come back and preach to you again, maybe I'll bring a message about the last days. But Jesus gave us three areas to watch prior to his return. Watch man in relationship with man. There'll be wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, king against kingdom. He said, watch man in relationship to the environment. He said, there'll be pestilences, which is diseases. COVID-19 is an end time event. There'll be pestilences. There'll be earthquakes. There'll be famines. Watch man in relationship to the environment. And he said, also watch man in relationship to God. And that, he said, the gospel is going to be preached worldwide, like by way of internet. Worldwide. 
And at the same time, people yawn in your face while you're preaching. The hearts of man will wax so cold. See, that's the hour that we live. The key is Matthew 24, verse 8. Jesus says that this is the beginning of old and Greek word old and translated birth pains. What we see about birth pains is, is this. They become more frequent, more severe as you get closer to the birth. Lindsay knows this perfectly. Uh, thank God I don't. Ladies, God bless you. You had them. Hallelujah. But the reality is, as it gets closer to that time of birth, the birth pains get more severe and they get more frequent. We're living in that hour. Take it from an old guy. I say I'm an old guy. I'm 67 years old and I love every minute of it. You know, I'm going to wear out this body. I've got a Sea-Doo and, and I've got a Gladiator I drive and, and I've uh, got a, a Razor. Uh, I've got a real high play ethic. I believe that God created all things for me to enjoy. Anybody say amen? amen? And so the reality is, is yeah, I've signed that on my card, but the reality is, is I'm going to use this body up to where nobody wants any of these parts. <laughs> amen. We live in difficult times. Teenagers, students, they have the pressure of unsaved friends. They have the pressure and the difficulties of atheist teachers. Students, young people, they have the, the searching for their identity, discovering of God's will for their lives. Young adults, daily, dis, daily challenges, making the decisions of getting a job, do I go to college? I've got five grandsons, and, and they're all at that age right there. The oldest one is uh, 24, and the youngest one is just graduating from high school this year. Do I go to college? Do I get a vocational job? What do I do? Uh, for some, getting married, starting a family, paying bills, bills of the pits. Anybody say amen? But they're a reality. Middle-aged adults have problems and challenges like getting the kids raised, getting the kids through school, being the good mom, the good dad that God wants you to be. If you're single, like Brother Trevor said, uh, one of the challenges is being a parent, being single, wow, and being able to find your identity in Christ, independent of a man or independent of a woman, young adult challenges. Older people, we, we have challenges also. How to spend all that money. No, no. <laughs> <clears throat> Now, older people, a desire to live for God and to be able to be in the center of God's will, even though you are old, even though this hurts, that hurts, and, but still getting up and going on. So even older folks have challenges as well. Uh, the question is, is this, what do we do with our challenges? Uh, here's the answer. It's there on the screen. It's this. Uh, your victory is found in your consistent and continual seeking of Jesus daily. Can anybody say amen? Uh, I, I believe our praise and worship leader said it's about the consistency. It's about the choice. I choose to seek Jesus in spite of my problem. Now, the Lord has promised us the reality, you're going to have some problems. I love the honesty of God's Word. Uh, God's Word doesn't tell you if you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then everything's going to turn up roses. Uh, you know, you're going to walk out in the morning, birds are going to... You know, and the reality is sometimes that bird poops on you. And what that's called is life. Uh, Jesus put it this way, John 16, 33, In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You're going to have some problems in the world. First uh, John 5 and 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Amen. If you will, Romans 8 and 37 says, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors 
not just a conqueror, but a more than. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The reality is this, this is everyday Christian life. Everyday Christian life, we have challenges, we have problems that come up, we, we rub shoulders with the world. We're, if you remember with me, we're in the world, but not of the world. And so with that, yeah, there's challenges. For, but across the room, if we had time, everybody could stand up and give the challenges you're dealing with. But sometimes, the challenges escalate. Sometimes the problems get very big, very difficult. I want to talk to you about what do you do when the problems are off the scale and your need is what we would call great. Sometimes you have to deal with things like death, cancer, loss of job. I, I've had five back surgeries, three spinal surgeons, and I had to sit across a table from a, a doctor that said, well, wait until after the surgery to see if you'll walk again. The reality is sometimes it gets so difficult that really it is off the scale. When these times happen, the Christian needs to know how to really touch God's throne. When it's difficult like this, the Christian needs to really know how to seek God. I find a story in 1 Kings. If you've got your Bible, you're free to look there. It'll be on the screen. You can read along with me. And we, we appreciate the sound and all the technical people. Aren't they a blessing? Yes. <clears throat> you know, honestly, I've been in ministry for 40 plus years. And the reality is, is about the only time anybody looks at them is when something bad's happening. You know, it goes, and everybody goes, you know, they, they, uh, I think it's sometimes good for us to look back there and smile at them. Uh, would that be okay? One, two, three, look back and, hi guys, bless y'all, you're, uh, yeah, we're smiling at you, not frowning at you. First Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Then Elijah, Elijah's a prophet of God, he's a man of God. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Ahab is awful. He hates God and everything that represents God. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So the servant went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Now the understood there is he went one time, there's nothing. He went two times, there's nothing. He went three times, are you with me? That's understood because if you will please, there's, and seven times he said, go again. He came back, nothing. Go again, come back, nothing. Verse four. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, this is the servant, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And Elisha said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Had a drop of rain fallen? No. What did we have? 
a cloud the size of a hand. Notice with me verse 45. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain so Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab, 17 miles is the distance, to the entrance of Jezreel. In Elisha, I find what we need to do when the need is great and we're seeking God for the answer. If you will note with me, 1 Kings 16 and 33, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. That's why I say Ahab was not a godly man. He was against God. He was anti-God. If you will, the very first mention of Elijah is 1 Kings 17. You've got your Bible there, 17 and 1. Elijah pronounced a judgment of no rain for years on Israel and added that only at his word would it rain again. Well, that's... That's a, that's a real stand. It's not going to rain. And then it will rain when I say it can. Are you with me? Man, that's pretty bold. That's exactly what Elijah did. In verse 1841, Elisha gave the word again to Ahab. He said, I hear something. Well, that's faith. I hear the abundance of rain. Okay, now please understand that there was in between those two. Uh, one is, is the pronouncement that it's not going to rain until I say, and then when I say it's going to rain, and now it's not rained. And in James chapter 5, verse 17, we find that it didn't rain for uh, some three and a half years. And so now he boldly comes and says that he's going to say it's going to rain. And then he says, I hear it when he saw nothing. He's teaching us a lesson. Uh, notice with me. For Elijah seeking God for rain, there was a time of no answer. There was a time of nothing. There was a time of no rain. Uh, verse 43, Elijah's servant came back and said, note with me, there's nothing. Now, I know you're praying. I know you're seeking God for an answer. I know that you're really following God's design. But the reality is, there is nothing. Now, I am very blunt in my preaching and teaching because I believe in the hour that we live, we need honesty, we need openness, and we need it to be blunt. Yes. I'm going to tell you, there's times when my faith have disappointed me. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to lie and say that every time you pray, your faith gives exactly what you want, did you notice what I said? If you was to lie and say that, you know, I kind of set you up there. But if you were to lie and say, well, I get everything I want whenever I pray, I'd call you cruel. Because I'd say, you need to load up with me. We need to go over to the hospital and empty up the pediatrics intensive care unit and heal all those babies. Anybody say amen? So sometimes my faith doesn't give me the results I want. Sometimes I pray for people and they die. Sometimes I pray for this to happen and it doesn't. This is what I've learned over the years. And please, take, if you take nothing from this, take this this morning. When my faith disappoints me, then comes trust. Yes. Yeah, there you go. That's good. God must know something I don't know. Because yes. he, he's super smart. <laughs> In fact, he does know something I don't know. Yes. Uh, I, I can give you an example. There was a 13-year-old girl while I was pastoring at Chickasha that had cancer, leukemia. And um, she was told by the doctor she had a short time to live that she was going to die. 
we had prayer meetings every night at the church. And we fasted, sought God for that baby, 13 years old, just broke your heart. And she's just a beautiful little girl, uh, Mackenzie Horton. And we just prayed and believed God for Mackenzie's healing, and she died. I did her funeral. At her funeral, I, I didn't know this ahead of time, but at her funeral, she had been adopted by the OU football team. I don't, OU may be an ugly word around here, but I'm an OSU friend, so I don't like OU either. <clears throat> but I found out later that the OU football team had adopted McKenzie as a mascot. And so I came, of course, I was just aggravating the family wearing an orange tie, you know, orange is OSU, and, you know, and so, because and I, I was just, I loved the family real close to them, and I looked across the congregation, there was the football team. Wow. Uh, sitting right here on the, the front was the coach of the girls' basketball team, Sherry, whatever her last name was, uh, she was there, and I gave an altar call, and there was a number of salvations. Uh, the ones that led praise and worship were OU football players. And so my point is, is this. God had a plan. God knew something that I didn't know. What we've got to do when our faith doesn't yield the results that we want, we must trust. Trust in him. If you'll notice with me, the nothing was, there was no cloud, there was no thunder, there was no indication that prayer was getting through. It's as if God wasn't answering. Uh, in verse, if you'll note with me, six times the servant looked. Six times he looked and there was nothing. This is like the doctor telling you that the cancer is come back. This is like the, my, I've got a sister right now that is battling cancer and she's about ready to go be with Jesus. But the reality, her faith and her trust is in Jesus regardless. But let me tell you, when the doctor says it's terminal, that's like this. Uh, this is like the employer telling the man laid off, business hasn't picked up, and, and we really have no new contracts. Uh, this is like the teenager coming into mom and dad and saying, my life is a mess, and I've made so many mistakes, and I really don't want to live. And now it's taken the problem to another level. Now you really need to know how to seek God. Thank God for the daily devotional time. I'm not belittling it. Thank God for, you know, uh, you know, Paul and I this morning had breakfast at, uh, at the hotel. I was going to call the name of it, but I just forgot it. And uh, we pray over our food. Thank God for, we ate at Applebee's last night and we were next to the bar because that was, I said, Paula, take first available, you know, because I mean, I'm ready to eat and get out of here. And, and so we sit next to the bar, but we take our hands and we pray over our meal last night and this morning. Thank God for, thank you, Lord, for this food and God bless and keep us in your perfect way. Thank God for those prayers. But I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes it's got to be more than that. Sometimes you've got to just really know how to seek God because your need is so great. I'm going to give you three points that I see in Elijah. Number one is, is this, make a profession of faith. There needs to be a profession of faith. I see God as a loving father. Pausing for an amen. Amen? I see God as a loving father. You know, he loves me. 
And the reality is, is, is sometimes I think that God is waiting for me to ask. Yeah. Uh, if you will, verse 41, Elijah told Ahab, there is a sound of an abundance of rain. Now, what did the servant see after six prayer meetings? Nothing. But yet he says to Ahab, he says there's an abundance of rain. To seek God when the need is great, we must stand in faith. Continue to stand in your faith in God while going through a time of no answer. Now, I, I love those answers, yes. I, I believe every prayer is answered. Some are yes, some are no, and some are wait. I, I'll tell you, me personally, and this is my personality, who I am personally, I, I can deal with the, I love the yes. Anybody say amen? Don't you love it when you pray and God says, okay, yes, here it is. And honestly, I can deal with the no, because I like God being blunt with me, okay? No, okay, I won't. Mm. The ones that are difficult are the wait. Okay, what am I supposed to do now? You know, it's not yes, it's not no. Will it be or will it? And so that, to me personally, is a time of waiting. That's why I say during that time of wait, then comes trust. If you will, Mark 11 and 24 says, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. What a tremendous promise in prayer. Our profession of faith must be based in God's will. Notice with me 1 John 5 and 14. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, listen to me. You just can't go off the map and start asking for a bunch of stupid stuff and expect God to give it to you. Are you with me? Uh, Notice with me it says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And the good question is, is how do I know his will? Here. Uh, you, you know the will of God. And, and if I ask, if my promise given me from God is if I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if he hears me, then I have confidence that the prayer is answered by him. Uh, notice with me God's will. When the doctor says it's cancer and the size of the tumor has escalated, it's changed and it's grown, you can either start planning the funeral or you can begin to stand upon the promise of God's word. The promise of God's word is 1 Peter 2 and 24, by his stripes we are healed. Uh, quoting Isaiah 53 and 5, with the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed. Yes. Can anybody say amen? amen. Uh, I walk today. Yes. You know, since that doctor told me that I might not walk, I've water skied, I've snow skied, and, and I've chased around five grandsons. And thank God. Uh, when I got hurt on the job and I said at a panel interview with the Tulsa Fire Department, they said, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers, you're going to have to come off the fire department because you've got one of those injuries that we don't allow you to continue in this profession. Have you thought about another profession? I said, I'm already ready to go. I just finished up my degree at Southwestern Assembly of God University uh, while on the fire department, and I, I was already ready to go into the pastoral ministry. I got hurt in October. I was trying out as pastor at Coweta in uh, January and got hired February 1st. God had a perfect plan. The church in Coweta went from 60 to 600. God. Uh, notice with me, when the employer says the layoff looks like it's going to be a long time, you can either sell everything that you've got or you can stand on God's promise. Yeah. 
The promise of God's word is my God shall, Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply your every need according to his rich glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, if you will, Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other stuff be added to you. Uh, notice with me, when your teenager says, I've made too many mistakes, there's no hope for me, you can either kick them out and give up on them, or you can claim the promise of God. God's promise says in Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way that they should go. When they get old, they'll not depart from it. And thank God for that promise. Again, Paul and I raised two girls, and Martha is a pastor's wife. But there was a time when it seemed like Martha's brain was sucked out. <laughs> Anybody say, man, if you, if you raise teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing more cruel than a 13-year-old girl. I worked around men and macho men, but I'm going to tell you, nothing compares to a 13-year-old girl. Train up a child. Thank God. We poured into Martha and Rebecca as girls, and now they've made beautiful women. Thank God. I can tell you, though, Paul, and I claim that promise over and over. I can tell you another promise for your children is, in fact, not just your children, for you. And that is in Luke 4 and 18, Jesus said that he came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He came to give recovery of sight to the blind and to release the oppressed. I'm going to tell you if you're dealing with fear. Uh, one of the things that we've seen in the church in the last couple of years is an escalation of fear. Uh, fear, F-E-A-R, is false evidence appearing real. It's a lie. And where do lies come from? John chapter 8, he's a liar and the father of them. And so the reality is, is this, we need to gain victory over that fear. You need to not, because fear goes into bondage, and that bondage goes into depression. That depression goes into complete unbelief. And the reality is that's where the enemy wants to take you down a process to where you think that your situation is so bad that there's no help for you. I'm going to tell you one of the constant attacks of the enemy is to make you feel like you're a special case. Because if he can make you feel like you're a special case, then it makes you feel like, well, my problem's so bad, nobody else had to deal with this, and I'm a special case, and man, it's just gotten worse, and man, if nobody else has ever dealt with this, and it's such a special case, then God may, may not, must not be able to help me. So I might as well just give up. And I'm going to tell you, that's a lie of the enemy. You are not a special case. Whatever you're going through, I can tell you, there are other people dealt with the same thing. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have a battle. Uh, you may be a Christian and say, boy, I'm, I, I see one of the challenges in men today is, and, and I have a heart for Christian men, and one of the challenges for Christian men today is pornography. And I said Christian men. The challenge is, is that we see the addiction to pornography in the church at the same percentage as outside the church. And it should be different. I said it should be different. And the rea what we need is, uh, yesterday when we were teenagers and younger, us older folks, uh, we had to seek out pornography. Today, pornography seeks you out. Yeah. You can't even turn on your phone without something jumping up there. And, and the reality is, you can be oppressed, you can be in bondage. But Jesus has come to set us free. We're going to have a prayer line in a moment. I'm going to pray for anyone here that's maybe held in bondage to fear, to worry, depression, discouragement, or pornography, addiction, alcoholism, prescription drugs. You need set free. Yes. 
My wife, she's very talented. She fell going upstairs. <laughs> and uh, she's a very special lady. I love her tremendously. But the reality is she's very clumsy. And, and, and I try my hardest. You know, uh, we've reached the age where I say, honey, I can't catch you, but I can break your fall. <laughs> This is one of those times I didn't even get to her quick enough to break her fall, and she broke her arm. And uh, she's got a colorful pink cast. She's a girly girl, and so she got a pink cast. But the reality is, is this enemy wants us in a bondage that he thinks there's no way out. We're going to have a prayer line here this morning, and we're going to pray that all the captives are set free. The promise given us in John 8 is whom Christ sets free, they're free indeed. The next thing I learned from Elijah, and I'll I'll speed up a little bit, and that's number two, pray earnestly. If you'll notice with me, verse 41, Elijah said, there's the sound of an abundance of rain. Then what did he do? Verse 42, he says, bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. It literally, you know, if you look real close at it, it doesn't say, and he prayed. It's just understood. Because honestly, I think that's what he was doing. I think he was praying, seeking God. Uh, This is the point. A profession of faith must be followed by prayer. I have found one thing in prayer is sometimes God, again, says yes, and sometimes he says no. When I pray. Uh, Note with me. Don't make a profession of faith without falling in prayer. Uh, don't say God's going to do this and you think he's going to do it just because you said it. You need to seek God for the answer. Make your profession of faith and with Elijah's example, then seek God concerning that. In James chapter 5, 17 and 18, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly. And I want to note that he prayed earnestly. That's what I'm talking about. Not just God, thank you for the food and God, give us a good night's rest. I'm talking about earnest prayer. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. It gave rain based upon the prayers of Elijah. Uh, Elijah prayed earnestly. Notice with me, earnest prayer comes from a cry of desperation. Are you desperate? Notice with me, earnest prayer comes from a heart touched by a need. I I believe we live in a culture that has lost its ability to have compassion. And and thank God for radical church. This is a church that I believe is is concerned about your need. And please understand, earnest prayer comes from a heart that's touched by somebody's need. I hate it that this brother's going through this. I hate it that my sister's going through this. It breaks my heart that there's single people here going through difficult times. Earnest prayer comes from the depth of your soul, wanting to see God and his hand at work. Never to give glory to man. Can anybody say amen to that? We don't want to exalt man. We want to exalt Jesus, to where Jesus alone. See, kneeling in prayer is humbling ourselves with an overwhelming need, taking it to an all-sufficient God. That's exactly what Elijah did. Uh, Hebrews 10 and 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. 
So when we come by faith into this prayer line in a few moments, we're going to draw near to God with, with a pure heart, with a, a complete assurance that he is more than enough. Uh, James 1 and 6 instructs us to ask in faith without doubting, with no doubting. Uh, I love James 4 and 2. James 4 and 2 tells me, you receive not because you what? Ask not. I, I don't want to have that problem. I want to ask for everything. And then I let God sort it out, and God says yes, God says no, and God says wait. But the reality is, I'm going to ask, because he said, you receive not, because you ask not. I don't want to get to heaven and say, God say, boy, I'd have really blessed you if you just asked for it. Well, I ask. And then, then I don't get mad at God if he, if he doesn't do like I want him to do. Because he's God and I'm not. Uh, if you will, from Elijah we learn how to seek God when the need is great. Number one, make a profession of faith. Number two, pray earnestly. We're going to pray. Number three, be persistent. Be persistent in prayer. Uh, note with me verse 44. It was the seventh time. Um... Six times the servant came and said, there is nothing. I believe in between each of those times, there was a prayer meeting. The seventh time was when there was the beginning of the miracle. If you will, please, when the need is great, the persistence must be great as well. Can you say amen? You need to be persistent. You need to seek God. Now, what you know is you know it's God's will. You know it's God's plan. You know it according to God's promise. It's God's will to do this. You get, cons you get consistent and you get persistent in prayer. Uh, you must not give up concerning God's desire to move on your behalf. I believe it's God's will to give Radical Church a building. Amen. You know, now, why can I say that? Because I can say that based upon the, what God has done. Man, look at this. There's very few churches that have this percentage of, of seats full. I see very few seats. And the reality is, God wants to give you a place, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you can meet. Because God wants to build His kingdom. And you just happen to be a vehicle, a tool by which it can be built. And so now what we've got to do, well, we've got to get our profession of faith. God's going to bless Radical Church. God's going to give a place to unite together to meet that is yours. Uh, get your profession of faith. And then pray. Father, we know it's your will. It's not a question. Well, we know that you want to use Radical Church to be able to build your kingdom. We know that. And so, Lord, we know we're praying according to your will. So, Father, bring it about. And then we're going to keep praying and keep believing. And we're going to hang on till the answer comes. Yes. Uh, notice with me, you must not give up concerning God's desire to move on your behalf. God wants to move on your behalf. Ask. Notice what Jesus said. Ask. Seek. And knock. When you go back to the original Greek, it literally says this. It says, ask and keep asking. Keep and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Remember Luke 18. Uh, Jesus gives a parable and, and it's a man that comes and he says, hey, I've got a guest that have come in and, and, and he goes to uh, this house and he knocks on the door, knocks on the door, knocks on the door and says, hey, I need some help. I've got some guests that have come in and can I borrow something from you? And, 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 and Jesus says this, that guy's going to come down and help him. 
not because he's moved by so much his need of the guest, but because of his, the King James, importunity, or because of his annoyance, because of his keeping after it, because of his keep asking. And I love that you laughed. You know what it is. But the, the reality is, is that's Jesus. Or at least you sneezed. <laughs> the reality is, is Jesus said he will come down because of his persistence. Ask and you receive. Seek and you find. Knock and it will be opened. The last thought is, is this, a little cloud became a big rain. What I'm asking you is, is this, do you see your cloud? Do you see your cloud? It may not be yet the full rain, but this morning I believe that what God wants to do miraculously for you if not the complete answer, at least give you a cloud. Give you something to see that God's bringing about the complete change, the complete miracle. Father, thank you, Lord, that through Elijah, you've shown us what we need to do when the need is great. We thank you, Lord, for our daily devotional time and our seeking you and you being so faithful. But Lord, sometimes we find ourselves in needs that are just so great. The time is so difficult. And Lord, we need to know how to seek you in these difficult times. So today we pray that there would be a, there would be a pronouncement of faith, that there would be that gift of knowing what you want to do. May we have that, that profession, Father. And Lord, we pray that today that, yes, we would pray and that we would seek your face because we don't want a profession of faith without backing it with prayer. And then, Father, we pray and we're going to continue to believe. We're going to hang on and we're going to look for the cloud, the beginning of the complete miracle being manifested. So, Father, this morning we believe with all of our hearts that there's a work that you want to do in this congregation. And the first miracle we pray for is salvation. And, Father, if there's any that are here this morning away from you that need to receive you as Lord and Savior, may right now, this morning, they come to you. Lord, I pray for those that have at one time known you and, and the challenges of this world have taken them away. I pray, Father, that right now, this morning, would be their morning of salvation. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I want to give an opportunity for salvation. And I would love to lead you to the Lord with you seated right there where you are. I would love to lead you in a sinner's prayer, making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. See, salvation is a gift, and I cannot make receiving a gift too easy. It's a gift. All you have to do is by faith reach out and receive it. And I'm going to lead you in a sinner's prayer making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to walk to the front. I'm going to lead you to Christ. You seated right there where you are. 
and you're here this morning, you say this, you say, Pastor Gary, I need Jesus, and I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. If that's your desire, all I ask is if you'd raise your hand and make eye contact with me, because I just want to see you. You're here this morning, you need Jesus, just lift up your hand, because I'm going to pray with you, leading you to Christ. Any in this congregation, God bless you, dear. I see you here to my right. God bless your heart. You can put down your hand. There's one. Is there any others? You just raise your hand and just make eye. God bless you, dear, both of you. Thank you. God bless your heart. You can put down your hand. There in the back, I see you, dear. God bless your heart. You can put down your hand. God bless you, sir. Thank you. God bless your heart. In the back, sir, I see both of you, man. God bless your heart. You can put down your hand. Thank God. Thank God. Ladies, I love it when women get saved. Thank God. But I just really love it when men get saved. Thank you, Lord. There may be someone else here. And this is going to be my last time. You're here this morning. You need to pray this prayer, making Jesus your Lord and Savior. Would you just raise your hand wherever you are? Because this is the time. God bless you here on my left. God bless you, sir. Young men. God bless you, men. Thank you, Lord. Congregation, let's pray together. You're going to help me now. As I pray, you're going to pray this prayer with me. We're going to lead these to Christ. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come on, every Christian ought to be praying. Come on. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me my sin. And help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you, men. Thank the Lord. Well, that's what it's all about. You made my 12-hour drive worth it.